0: Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here in your presence. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for coming into my heart in the most blessed sacrament. The Eucharist is such a gift holiness God himself comes inside of me and he speaks to my heart and all of us each one of us we come before the Lord tonight in a different place each of us with our own struggles, our own battles, our own sufferings. And Lord, we just want to place them at your feet. Come into our hearts. Help us to rest in you just as you long to rest in each one of us. When we speak about faith and having faith in Jesus Christ, our faith means that we don't only participate in God's life, that we not only try to live in grace, but it also means that we try to adhere to Christ, to make him our only Lord and our only love. And to do that implies a choice that each of us have to make. And that choice is that we direct our will towards him as our final goal and our highest value. He is looking on us with complete love. And our adherence to him is our answer to his call. And answering that call, it's marked with adventure but it also means taking risks. Because Jesus wants us to attach ourselves to him with no question about details, not thinking about the consequences of our choice, and with no question about our future. What he asks for is complete trust. He wants you to say yes, as Mary did, her complete fiat, her total faith and trust in the Lord. And sometimes trusting in Jesus and adhering to him, that sometimes means accepting what is unknown or what seems to be darkness for us. And that demands faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. If I truly believe that he is God, then I make that step in faith. I hand over whatever I'm holding back. I say to him, despite my weakness, I want my will to be united to yours. I want communion with you, God. It's kind of strange, but up until this point, we haven't at all mentioned the theme for the weekend. Sometimes during our silent retreats, we try to give the retreat a a motto, so to speak. And as we were preparing for this retreat, one of the sisters came across this phrase. The Lord himself will fight for you. You have only to keep still. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. And that is the theme of this weekend. The Lord will fight for you. Just keep still. And that phrase actually comes from a book in the Bible, Exodus. It's Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. And One day when I was looking up where that phrase came from, the whole context, the story, I discovered that it's in the middle of a story about the crossing of the Red Sea. This is when the Israelites had spent years in Egypt as slaves. And Moses finally leads them out of Egypt through the desert and then they get to a point where they need to cross the Red Sea. And the Egyptians are close behind them. So, if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Exodus 14, because I'm just going to read through this first part of the story. It starts at, at verse 10. Now, Pharaoh was near when the Israelites looked up and saw that the Egyptians had set out after them. Greatly frightened, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. To Moses they said, Were there no burial places in Egypt that you brought us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you this in Egypt when we said, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Far better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses answered the people, do not fear. Stand your ground and see the victory the Lord will win for you today. For these Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to set out. And you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea, and split it in two, that the Israelites may pass through the sea on dry land but I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will receive glory through Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been leading Israel's army, now moved and went around behind them. And the column of cloud, moving from in front of them, took up its place behind them, so that it came between the Egyptian army and that of Israel. And when it became dark, the cloud illumined the night, and so the rival camps did not come any closer together all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind all night long and turned the sea into dry ground. The waters were split so that the Israelites entered into the midst of the sea on dry land, with the water as a wall to their right and to their left. In this story, the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. What's your Egypt? Is there anything in your soul anything at all that you want to go back to when the Lord is asking you to leave it behind? Listen to what they said. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. The Israelites knew well very well that God's design and his desire was to lead them out of Egypt that is, is out of slavery to freedom. To the promised land. And before they even start their journey, even at the very, very beginning of it, they are already begging to go back to Egypt. The same thing can happen to us. The Lord is asking us to leave behind certain things. To step out in faith. And we struggle with that. And there's a temptation to go back. But listen to the Lord's answer. Do not fear. Stand your ground and see the victory the Lord will win for you today. You see, the victory, it's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord who is going to win the victory. And it's right after that when the Lord says, when Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord is going to fight for you. Who has more interest in your soul than the Lord? And what do you have to do? You have only to keep still. there's a beautiful part after this. When it said that the angel of God was leading Israel's army, then there was a column of cloud. And it moved in front of them. And it took up its place behind them so that it came between the Egyptian army and that of Israel. Some say that that column of cloud represents the Blessed Mother. That she stands between Egypt, that is, our attachments, and ourselves. She protects us. She guides us. There's a line here where it says, when it became dark, the cloud illumined the night. When it seems like all is darkness, and there's no hope for me, for my sins, for my attachments, the cloud illumines the night. Our Lady gives us hope. She's the star. The Gospel says that no one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and them There are two masters, God and man. It is not possible to serve both at the same time. There's a beautiful scene in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Where Jesus calms the storm at sea. Maybe it's just a very graphic scene for me right now because we're right by the sea and the wind has been really rough today. And there's been rain. But this scene can be a good scene for us to think about right now, tonight, before the Lord. As we've been hearing so much about our enemies, the devil, our own flesh, our weaknesses, the world, And all of that, all of these temptations, all of our struggles with sin, it can seem like a storm. In this gospel, it says that as evening drew, Jesus said to them, let us cross to the other side. They're crossing from one side to the other. Similar to what happened to the Israelites when they had to cross the sea. Whenever there's a crossing from one side to the other, in both of these moments, it means change. It means transformation. Let us cross to the other side. And they're not going alone. Jesus is with them. Then it says, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. How can that be? How can that happen? There's a violent storm, waves are breaking over the boat, the boat's filling up with water, and Jesus is asleep on a cushion? What is he trying to say? That he's God and he's in control. But they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Didn't the Israelites, in a way, say the same thing? Don't you care that we're going to die? Why can't we go back to Egypt? Well, here the apostles have a similar experience. Don't you care that we're perishing? And in the same way, we can say to our Lord, don't you care that I'm perishing in my own sin, with my own struggles, my own attachments? Because there's no worse death than the death that is the result of sin. And what did Jesus do here? He woke up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, quiet, be still. Be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you terrified? Do you not have faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? Quiet, be still. In both of these scenes, the scene from Exodus with the Israelites, and this scene now with our Lord calming the storm at sea, in both of these instances, we see the Lord's intervention. You see, in the spiritual life, there's two sides. There's my struggle, my will, doing my part to overcome sin and live a life of grace and in virtue. And then there's the Lord's part. The Lord intervenes. At his command, Anything can change. All he asks for is our faith. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. The Lord will fight for you.
1: So let us just take a few moments now
0: before the Lord to speak to him heart to heart. maybe just for a moment forget your formulated prayers, all the prayers that you've learned since you were little and speak to the Lord as a child Lord, don't you care that I'm perishing? Save me Give me light Have pity on me Have mercy on me Fight for me For it's a certainty that we have that the Lord has more interest in our salvation than we have in our own salvation. He promises that He will fight for us. Do not fear. Stand your ground and see the victory the Lord will win for you today. For these Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Christ, who expects us to entrust ourselves to him, teaches us by his whole life the attitude of trusting. He came to us as a child, an infant, who cannot do anything on his own and is totally dependent on the care of adults. So from the moment he came into the world, Jesus was stripped of everything for us, He became defenseless to make it easier for you to adhere to him and entrust yourself to him. Tonight, we begin the season of Advent. And we remember how Christ came down to us as a child. How he came into the world how he was stripped of everything, defenseless, poor, and how he did it for you so that you could cling to him and entrust yourself to him. And this same Christ who came to us as a babe, born in Bethlehem, he shows his love extends to the point of folly of craziness christ stripped of everything and poor wants to go before us on the way of stripping away of our human securities this true and authentic stripping away is the way for us to imitate jesus God wants to protect you and your life from false faith, false securities. That's why it's so important to him that you reject your false gods. And everything we place our hope in, it becomes a god for us. If you place your hope in a false god, in something that can't fill you, then your hope doesn't make sense. It's a false master that you've entrusted yourself to. That you've placed your hopes in. And sooner or later, it's going to let you down. After the Israelites went through the Red Sea, or really just before they went through it, the Egyptians were following in pursuit after them. Pharaoh's horses and chariots and the horsemen, they went out into the midst of the sea behind the Israelites. But as they were going, the Lord looked down from a column of fiery cloud, it says, on the Egyptian army and it threw it into a panic. And the Lord clogged their chariot wheels so that they could not drive, they could only do it with difficulty. And when that happened, the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Egyptians themselves recognize how God came down in Israel's aid. The Egyptians didn't stand a chance. And we, when we trust in the Lord and we let him act in our life, he does the same for us and the devil doesn't stand a chance. The Lord, how does he intervene? He intervenes by coming down into a little crib and being born for us. He intervenes by living a life of poverty, chastity, obedience, of total submission to the Father. He intervenes by dying on the cross for you and for me and the devil doesn't stand a chance and after this happened to the israelites as they were crossing the red sea the lord spoke to moses and he said to him stretch out your hand over the sea Many of the church fathers speak about Moses as a figure of Jesus Christ. So when we read a line like this, stretch out your hand, it can make us think of Jesus. Jesus, how he stretches not only his hands, but his arms. He stretches his arms out on a cross. He stretches his arms in that crib in Bethlehem towards you so that you can go to him, so that you're not afraid of God. The Egyptians were fleeing because they were afraid, because God intervened. So just as the Lord could part the Red Sea, and He can calm the storm for the disciples, He can do the same for us. The same God that parted the Red Sea and calmed the storm is the same God that's in front of us here tonight. And why can't He do that for us? He can. He only asks us for faith. The gospel says that you cannot serve two masters. You need to give God give God everything. You need to know how to give Him what is His. And that's the process of our conversion, giving to God what is His. He made us, we're made for Him, we only have to give ourselves back. And part of this means accepting His jealous love, because God's love is jealous for us. It means accepting Him as our only value, Our only love. And God, he is jealous, not because he wants to take something out of it, because he wants it for his own advantage. He's jealous for you, because it's for you. It's for your good. He's jealous so that you won't get lost in service to false gods and false securities. That's why he wants to claim your heart. Any person that achieves union with God and reaches sanctity, a life of holiness, is a person who has accepted Christ the very end as their only love. Tonight, look at Jesus on the cross. Look at him in his agony, in his passion. Christ also suffered. And he suffered a struggle of his will, just like you and I do. He wanted to do the Father's will, but he struggled because it meant suffering. And in his agony that caused him to bleed, to sweat blood, Father, if it is possible, take this chalice away from me. But not my will be done, but yours. Let your will be done. Let's make that our prayer. Your will be done, not mine. Look at Jesus Christ and let him look at you. See how he was scourged for love of you. Every hit of the whip, he was saying, I love you. And he was thinking of you every time that you fall with sins of the flesh every weakness that you've ever experienced in your own body, your own own weakness, the Lord suffered that scourging for you. Look at him crowned with thorns. Do you not think that he wasn't thinking of you? Your struggles with depression, with despair, with any mental anguish you've ever experienced in your life. Of course he was thinking of you. Look at him carrying his cross. And not only just accepting its weight, but embracing it. He kissed the cross before he carried it. And in his heart, he said the same thing he said in the agony of the garden. Not my will, but yours be done. My heart is ready, God. And see how he is inviting you to carry your little crosses too, which are nothing in comparison with what Christ carried. And walk beside him, walk beside the Lord, and let him see you carry your cross out of love for him. And when you think that you can't do anymore, look at Jesus Christ crucified on the cross, the last hours of agony before his final death. Stand at his feet there, right next to the Blessed Mother. And let him look on you and say to you, Behold your mother. He's given you his own mother to help you, to help you deal with any suffering, any difficulty, any struggle. And then look at Our Lady, look at the Blessed Mother watching her own son die before her and see how she doesn't waver. That suffering is intense. But she stands still. Why? Because she knows that the Lord fights for her. And that he fights for you. To love God means to accept his love, his jealous love for you. And this love wants to protect you from everything that may be a threat to your freedom and your faith. Give yourself over to the Lord. And just remember Remember the phrase, remember this theme, how the Lord will fight for you. The only thing you have to do is to keep still.
1: choose the crowd.